The importance of God above all fake gods. That's coming up on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. You know, we have a tendency to pass the problem on to somebody else rather than deal with it ourselves. But God in His goodness has a way of bringing us to a place where we can no longer kick the can down the road. We give you a case in point today on today's Abounding Grace. When the Philistines had captured the Ark of the Covenant, God did something about it. And there are quite a few noteworthy lessons we don't want you to miss. Join us in 1 Samuel chapter 5 and let's join Pastor Ed Taylor. Verse 9, so it was after they carried away, the hand of the Lord was against the city, and a, great, very, a very great destruction, and he struck the men of the city, both small and great, and tumors broke out on them. So Gath got the same thing. Verse 10, therefore they sent the ark of God to Ekron. So it's, that's pat, you know, this hot potato, but it's like a hemorrhoid hot potato, man. This is not, like, get rid of this. Get this out of town. So it was the ark of God came to Ekron. The Ekronites called, cried out saying, they have brought the ark of God of Israel to us to kill us and our people. So they sent and gathered together all the lords of the Philistines and said, send away the ark of God of Israel and let it go back to its own place so that it does not kill us and our people. For there was a deadly destruction throughout all the city and the hand of God was very very heavy there, and the men who did not die were stricken with tumors, and the cry of the city went up to heaven. And so there's a progression of more difficulty when you turn your back on God. Let me give you another example in the history of the children of Israel. Would you turn back to Numbers with me, Numbers chapter 21? In Numbers 21, I think we are given insight how this simple time this time of God revealing that he is God above every fake God. I believe that, well, the Philistines, they needed to understand this, but even you and I more so today. The Philistines have the ark, but they don't believe, they don't want the reality behind the ark. They don't want the consequences of unbelief. Ashdod, Gath, Ekron, all major Philistine cities, we don't want it. But I wonder what would have happened had they repented under the mighty hand of God. I'm sure they would have been blessed. Notice chapter 21 of Numbers. Pick up with me. Right there in the beginning. Well, in verse 4 it says, Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, and the soul of the people became very discouraged along the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. Now, chapter 21, you need to understand by way of context, is the children of Israel just came after a great victory, a, a great time of seeing God come through for them. And you need to know and so do I need to be reminded that right after a great victory will often come deep discouragement. 
If you talk to um, a pastor, generally pastors are very, very excited about Sunday and very, very discouraged on Monday. It's just a natural thing. Uh, it doesn't even have to have anything to do with all the things that can discourage a pastor. There's just that sense where God had used them in a great way, and as they're resting on Monday, the enemy likes to attack them. Uh, us, and I wouldn't say just them, us. Monday can be a very discouraging day for pastors because God does a great work on Sundays. He does a wonderful work of the faithfulness of getting the, having the word go forth in power. The enemy seeks to rob us of joy and the victory we have in Jesus. So they get discouraged, it says, verse 4, on the way. Discouragement's a great foe of the believer. A lack of confidence, a hindrance, the general loss of morale. And you know, discouragement, do you want to know where it comes from? It's all wrapped up in our feelings. It's a feeling, discouragement. You can say, I'm discouraged, but most often you'll say, I feel discouraged. It's wrapped up in our feelings. And that's where they are in verse 4, down and out. From discouragement can come bad decisions. Verse 5, here in Numbers 21. They're discouraged, so what do they do? They speak out against their leader, and they speak out against God. Why? Because they're not walking in faith, but they're walking by sight. Notice they never really deal with their main concerns. Each time God shows them a truth, they reject it. They're loathing and discouraged. They are upset. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt? They wanted to be delivered from Egypt. They cried out for deliverance. And now he's up there upset. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Do you want us to die in the wilderness? They've forgotten the faithfulness of God in giving food and water over and over again, and they call the things, the gifts of God, worthless, this worthless bread. It says you, there's no food, and they're not even speaking. That's what discouragement will do. It'll take you out of reality. Don't miss this. They're, they're upset about the food. They say, we have no food and water, but at the same time, they're complaining about the food that's in their hands. That's what discouragement will do to you. It will thwart your reality. It will take you out of reality. And you'll see and say things that are truly untrue. And it's easy to begin to loathe the food that the Lord gives you and begin to want something new and fresh and exciting. You know, for those of you that study with us through the book of Numbers, you know that God provided this miracle food, manna, to take care of their needs. It was in the any, and within the manna that God provided had all the essential nutrients that were necessary to sustain the children of Israel. But it was a very bland diet. And the same thing over and over again. You have to be careful, friends, of that desire for something new, fresh, and exciting over and above the faithfulness of God, which is always new, fresh, and exciting, even when it doesn't feel new, fresh, and exciting. <laughs> because you're discouraged, or you're beat up, or you're, the way of the transgressor is hard, whatever it might be. Be careful. You know, from time to time, we even meet families here at Calvary that will we'll notice they're not here, and we'll call them and to follow up on them and see how things are going, and we'll catch up with them. And, and they'll, you know, what's going on? I haven't seen you in church in a while. And they go, well, you know, Pastor, uh, we're just not being fed here anymore. You know, all you do is teach the Bible week after week after week. <laughs> you know, you're, 
you're in, you have, even when you're gone, you have guests, and you know what they do? They just teach us the Bible week after week after week, and, and we chuckle, but there is this sense where you're right, it's going to be pretty much the same thing every week. That's what God's provided for us. It's his manna. And if we're in a book of the Bible, it's going to take us a while to finish the book of the Bible so that you can actually go to another church for a year and come back, and yes, we're still in the book of John, <laughs> verse by verse, letting the Lord speak to us through the life of Jesus and not just picking topics here and there, but allowing the word to change us. The Bible says that we're to transform our mind. The renewing of our mind gets transformed through his word. It's faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And while I understand that there might be a sense of wanting something new, but I mean, um, the word of God as it's delivered regularly, you know, for the past few years, you've just, you know, we'll talk to them. You've heard nothing but glowing testimonies. You know, if, of, it's the same, usually it's, it's the same people that will come up after a service and say, really good message, really good message. And then before you know it, after some really good messages, they go, no, nah, you know, I'm not being fed anymore. I'm not being fed. I'm, I'm not growing, you know, I'm all but, and, and we just need this and we need that. And it's all sorts of things. And believe me, I want you in the right church. I want you in the place where you're going to grow. I want you where you're going to make the most impact for I'd rather have you in a church where you're excited and just want to serve the Lord and impact our city than in a church where you're doing nothing for the Lord. So it's cool if you find another church. I say find one, plug yourself in it, be faithful, and serve with joy and gladness. But be careful. Be careful when you start to despise the food that God's given you. When you start to despise, you know, the the reality of finding a church, you're not just like there by accident. God is leading your life. At least you believe that. God's leading your life. You prayed about where to go to church. You prayed about what pastoral team and ministry that God wants you to be a part of. You've prayed about where your gifts and talents are going to be used. You've prayed about what city to go to church, whether it's your home city or another city, what church. You've prayed. And I wonder, I wonder if part of the feeding process is that, well, while you've received from the pastor... And that seems to, over times, even here, that they've received from Moses, received from Moses, but now that they're upset, they're mad at Moses and the food that he's given to them. They're mad at God and the food that he's given to them. Sometimes it's just a question of this. Are you gathering food for yourself? Are you gathering for yourself? Maybe you'd be blessed more if you studied, if you wrestled with the text, if you received from the Spirit, if you read ahead, if you really dug in and asked God what to say, not just what pastor's going to teach me, but what new insight are you going to give me, Lord? What are you going to show me? You're the Holy Spirit. You're the teacher. You're going to lead me into all truth. So what truth do you have for me? Instead of being discouraged and saying, oh, this worthless bread, they're in a very dangerous place. So maybe you'd appreciate the word of God more if, you, if you'd prepared it for yourself. And you step out and take those steps of growing in God's grace and allowing the pastor teacher to equip you, but also the Holy Spirit to equip you throughout the week. Because it's easy. You go, man, pastor, I've heard that before. I've heard that illustration before. I've heard that scripture before. I've heard it all before. Hey, you know what? The the Lord's not going to manufacture new doctrine for you. It's like, I've heard everything. Okay, guess what? When you've heard everything, it's time to start over. You're going to hear it again. And if you're really dealing with something, if there's really something in your life, 
It doesn't matter where the pastor's teaching. The Holy Spirit's going to be dealing with that one constantly until you finally deal with it yourself. So we could be in Leviticus. We could be in Revelation. We could be in John. We could be praying and the Holy Spirit's going, did you hear that prayer? Oh, I don't, I'm, not, I need a, I'm not being prayed for anymore, man. I need a new church. <laughs> not being fed, not being prayed for. No, no, the Holy Spirit loves you. He wants you in the right place. He wants you to be in the place where you're going to thrive. The days are short. The coming of the Lord is at hand. This is time to grow and to put your roots down, to let your branches go out and let the fruit of your life, let the fruit of your life affect and bless other people. But how careful we need to be in times of discouragement. We don't start blaming God because we're not being fed. Eat the food that's in your hand. And when you're done, go get some more. Because the Lord wants to provide that to you. That's a little bit of the background here. And so here they're upset. Now check out what God does in verse 6. Please, I'm so thankful God doesn't do this anymore. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. And they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. <laughs> I'm like, oh man. You gotta check under the chairs if there's any snakes moving in here, you know? It's like, like, I'm glad that God doesn't do that anymore. But in this case, for the children of Israel, this is what the Lord did. He sent serpents into their midst and started biting them. And out of their bite, many died. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. You see how they came to a point of decision? They, they are feeling the hand of God heavy upon them, just like the Philistines. They're feeling the hand of God. People are dying in the midst because of sin and because of discouragement, because of speaking against God, against speaking against Moses who God gave them. And it says that they come to Moses now, and they're not speaking against Moses anymore. They say, Lord, pray. They say, Moses, pray to the Lord that he can take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. What a great model for servant leadership for all of us that serve. Then the Lord said to Moses, because, you know, Moses could have said, <laughs> you want me to pray? <laughs> you, didn't you just, like, didn't you just cuss me out? Like, didn't you? I, I thought I was no good leader. <laughs> you know, like the snakes. I'm not getting bit, <laughs> you know? It's like, no, he's a servant leader. You want to be surrounded, I believe, like you are here at Calvary's servant leaders. You know, he, he just, hey, what is, when they come for help, when they, now we know later on that he blew it with the rock. We know later on that it, it was too much for him, but here he prays, and the Lord answers. Verse eight, make a fiery serpent, set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who's bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent, put it on a pole, and so it was if the serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. Why would God send fiery serpents among them? I think it's more of a sending, more than a sending by God. I believe it's a removal of God's protection. I believe the hand of God is being removed. I think God's saying, okay, if you don't want me, you don't want what I've provided for you, then you're on your own. And these snakes were there all along that God was protecting them and now is allowing them. You know, as soon as God steps back, the serpents come in. That's why the Proverbs say in Proverbs 18, verse 10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. But if you run away, you're on your own. If you turn away from God, you're on your own. And you face the consequences that comes from turning away from God. 
Yet notice Moses loves these folks and he intercedes. And he gets the answer. Make this bronze serpent, put it up on a pole and everybody that looks is saved. If you want to live, you got to look at the pole. That's it. Just that. Nothing else. No other way. It's no time to look around. It's no time to focus on the bite. You can't, you know, you can't do your own thing. There's only one option to be saved, and that's look to the pole. It was simple. Look by faith. Because, again, put, we, we think of these Bible, true Bible stories like, it, it is, it's like, wow, it's an interesting story, but you've got to put yourself in their shoes or their sandals or their snake bites. You're just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And everybody, like, and so Moses prays, comes back, okay, look up here. Just look, look up here. He doesn't give them the antidote. He doesn't tell them to pull the snakes off. He doesn't tell them to run away. He doesn't tell them to, all the things you would normally think if there are snakes around, get out. It was just this. Go look at the pole. Look, look, I, look up here. That, that's how, look up here. Look, and he raises up the pole. It was simple. You see, there's a point where you can come with your questions and your religious stuff and find a very patient God answering them. But you can also get to the point where you'll let your intellectual questions prevent you from believing. Trying to explain, even with the Philistines, trying to explain how did the head get cut off and the hands and can you explain this to me? Or, you know, sometimes there'll be interesting questions. I'll, I'll use one that's kind of an uh, exaggerated one, but makes the point, you know, where people are, I'm searching for the Lord, but I just can't get over this one question. And if I, you can answer it for me, if you can answer it for me, I think I'll believe. You know, did Adam and Eve have the belly button? And you're like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, if you can't answer it, then I can't. No, no, but even in the question, they acknowledge that Adam and Eve exist, that they may or may not have had a belly button, that there's a, listen, there's a, there's a difficulty with the reality of whether they did or not because God created them as adults. They, there's a lot of assumptions in those questions. So they're all the way right there. Can God make a rock so big that he can't move it? <sighs> I don't know. God can create a rock big enough to drop on your head. You know, I don't know. And it's like, wait a minute, look to the hole, look to the pole. That's what you're, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't, wait a minute. what, what, and how? And, and you know, while you're, while you're trying to process, when you were given a step of faith, while you're trying to process it all, you're losing out on the solution that God has given to you. He's obviously got your attention. The biting, the pain, the God has fallen down, the head cut off, the hands have fallen. He's gotten your attention. There comes a time in your life when it's no longer an informational thing. It requires you to be transformed. It's not more knowledge you need. It's obedience. It's obedience, both for those of you that don't have a relationship with God and those of you that do. It's a time for obedience. The Lord could send you a personal email and you still wouldn't read it because you're ready to believe on what you know already. We aren't going to get into the rest because we're out of time, but for those of you that are reading ahead in chapter 3 of John's gospel, Jesus has a discussion 
with Nicodemus. So read ahead and you'll see how it all gets tied together because this pole is a picture of the cross of Jesus Christ. That today, if you will look to the cross, that's it. You just look to the cross, the finished work of Jesus Christ. Wait a minute, Ed, does Adam and Eve just, man, you'll find out soon enough. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But can he create a, I know, don't, don't, don't worry about it. And, and all of the things that can hold you back from a vibrant, listen, lay your gods down. Lay your pride down. Just like the Philistines, the children of Israel came to a crossroads in their life. The children of Israel here in Numbers chose repentance and humility. The Philistines chose pride. The children of Israel, many of them were saved because they looked to the pole. The Philistines got a bunch of hemorrhoids. <laughs> I'm not saying that's what, those are your choices today. <laughs> but it's much worse, isn't it? It's eternal life or eternal damnation. That's a much more serious situation. There is more to life than just now. Eternity awaits us. And the decisions that you and I make today will determine our eternal destiny. And so, God, you can expect him to speak to you. Um, these, these are interesting ways, I would agree. But if we step back and say, no matter the method, God, speak to me. I'm desperate to hear you. I've got to know your will for my life. Well, thanks for listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We're going through 1 Samuel right now. Ed, let's talk for a bit about the various ways folks can access your teachings online these days, from the website and the podcast to our church app. Yes, we, Larry, have a lot of resources available. Our main website is calvaryco.church. Also, you can get our free app. Just go to your app store, put my name in there, Ed Taylor, and our app will pop up. Download it. Turn on notifications. All the information's there for live and archive studies. And then I have a personal website, edtaylor.org. I write there, so there's new writings. Uh, I'm kind of off and on in writing, so pray for me on that. I'd like to be more regular on it, but for a variety of reasons, including grief, I just can't get regular at it again. So uh, pray for me on that. But there are fresh writings up there and new stuff. Uh, I write on ministry. I also write on grief and just general life topics. Uh, and, you know, the podcasts are there. I need to get back on board with our podcasts. It's perhaps this new year will be a, a fresh new year of regularity for me. Uh, but until then, all the things that the Lord has given us are available right there. Calvaryco.church is our website. Or get our free app. Or visit me, send me a note edtaylor.org and we love to put resources into your hands. So drop by aboundinggraceradio.com scroll down the page a bit to where to listen and you'll find links right there making it super easy to get started. At the turn of the year, many of us have some resolutions to break a stubborn habit or two. Maybe it's a tendency to worry, drink alcohol, lust or curse and perhaps you're finding it very difficult to break. Well, we've got a helpful book to share with you from Erwin Lutzer called How to Break a Stubborn Habit. 
As the name of the title would suggest, this book will help you shake that nasty habit. And we'll send you a copy when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Just call and ask for How to Break a Stubborn Habit. Our number is 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. You can also order online at calvaryco.store. Abounding Grace is made possible through the generous support of our listeners. And as we deliver God's Word one verse at a time, we're looking to our listeners for help. Together, we can reach people with the love and truth of Christ and make a difference in these last days. To make a secure donation, drop by AboundingGraceRadio.com or call 877-30-GRACE. We hope you can visit us sometime soon. Here at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado, we meet for worship Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 8.45 and again 10.45 in the morning. Catch a midweek service, too, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We can tell you how to get here as well as more about the church at calvaryco.church. Next time on Abounding Grace, we'll continue Pastor Ed Taylor's study of 1 Samuel. Thank you for listening today, and we'll look for you tomorrow as we open the Word together in search of God's abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.